conversation today, we'll be uh, exploring the wider world of how higher education connects into sort of workforce development, alternative education models, um, something I'm always kind of excited to see sort of blossoming and burgeoning in the wider world. So very grateful for the opportunity to explore it with somebody who is uh, working deep in this space. So uh, we will start out, though, uh, let our guests introduce themselves really quickly and then get into our conversation for today. So, uh, Rafael, take it away. Yeah, thank you, um, Dustin. My name is Rafael Casanieva. I'm a Senior Vice President of Partnerships and Workforce Development at MedCerts. Um, I've been in the space for over 20 years now. won't say exactly how many years, but over, over 20 years now, and have had some really good, deep experiences in each segment of the post-secondary space. So really uh, feel excited about what we're seeing, similar to you in terms of the emerging opportunities for learners, um, specifically along pathways and other areas where we can you know, build solutions and opportunities that really make a lot of sense for students as they come through. So excited to be here to talk to you more about this. And thanks again for the opportunity. Always uh, grateful for folks who are just like willing and able to kind of jump in and have these conversations and helping to uplift the work of, of folks all across the higher ed spectrum here. Just for folks who don't know, uh, if you can ex- uh, briefly explain what MedCerts is and does yeah. and sort of how you kind of work into the higher ed world. So as the name would denote, I mean, not, not rocket science here, but it's medical certifications, right? So we are, we are a, a, a non-credit certification training program provider. And what that means is that we focus in on anything in a hospital or healthcare setting where somebody would require to be a certified technician, think EKG, pharmacy tech, surgical tech, et cetera. Um, we have over 50 different programs along these lines. So we're, our main goal is really to provide our employer partner hospital systems with the opportunity to have skilled and qualified talent across the entire spectrum of their needs. And if you've been paying attention to the healthcare space in the last couple of years, you'll hear words like crisis or emergency or, you know, a lot, a lot of concerns surfacing about where these workers are going to come from. So MedCerts has been doing this since 2009, um, started in Livonia, Michigan. In 2020, we joined the Stride family. Stride Learning, uh, formerly formerly K-12. So we're really focusing in on what we call the K-to-career model or the K-to-career strategy, um, which is, again, as I mentioned, defining pathways for learners as they come through their K-12 experience into post-secondary. Like, what does that look like and how do we make that very transparent? So um, the the certification training programs are uh, exclusively online with some residential clinical requirements based on certification type. So we are really trying to be that one-stop shop for anybody looking for skilled talent in the healthcare space. And I know that that's sort of the the difference, I think, of like for college and universities, sort of like, okay, are they just, you know, getting people ready for jobs? Like, isn't it more for like personal fulfillment and all that? And I think like organizations like yours, where it's like almost refreshing of just sort of like, no, like we are here to like get that pipeline moving, like where it's like, these are jobs that industry needs or world needs but then like the other side of it being like you know even just getting these uh certifications like makes you into sort of a slightly more specialized worker and that can put you in certainly immediately relative to likely where people were and certainly on sort of trajectory uh towards more gainful employment and everything so it's like mm-hmm. to me it's like you know it, it fits in very clearly to sort of the, just the the general sort of kind of zeitgeisty thing a lot of people are talking about like stackable credentials where it's like you got to start somewhere and if we can at least get people into jobs that are you know more gainfully employing you know create a better balance in life and may give them opportunities to fund further higher education if they so choose like um 
that's all good in my book. I think it's just like there's room at the table for everybody. Like we we yeah. need to educate a lot of people for a lot of different kind of jobs, and the you know that that even changes fairly quickly too. So like, what what mechanisms can we use to kind of uh, you know have a positive impact there for both you know organizations and for individuals? So mm-hmm. um, you know, with that sort of context laid, this is kind of a, a bigger two part question. I think we're gonna you know uh, start really uh, zoomed out here, but like we'll start on that challenges side, like. What do you see as one of the biggest challenges facing higher education, getting people job ready? Like what, what sort of is a, a roadblock on the institution side? Yeah, it, it's a great question. I think one we've, we've all, if you participate in this space, have been trying to answer for, for a long, long time, right? And, and the models have not really evolved too much in, say, like the past 100, maybe 150 years. Um the the cha- the biggest challenge that we see at this point is is speed and quality in the balance of those two things right so I, I still believe that even as a purveyor of you know non credit certifications our role to play here is not to cannibalize or to compete directly with higher education institutions I still believe that a college degree is going to be your your best bet for long term social capital financial stability etc I, I still believe that that's true and, and the facts would indicate that 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 is also accurate the challenge that we have with higher ed is how do you how do you accelerate or match the speed of a business need with the speed of somebody's education as they go through something that does incorporate you know uh, a balance of hard and soft skills and lifelong learning and intellectual curiosity and all those things that we experience in our undergrad or graduate programs there's just not the time for that experimental phase when a hospital says, I need a thousand phlebotomy techs that we're recruiting for yesterday, right? Like there's no, there's no time and space for that. And so, you know, where, where I think we play a, a very interesting role at MedCerts is that we are that in-between. We're that in-between between where a student finds us, whether it's they're graduating from high school or they're a student that's, you know, doing something different because they don't want to be the first person that's unemployed when there's an, an economic recession. Um, maybe they've been in retail for a long time looking to change a career. They're coming out of the military. Their spouse is somebody in the military. They've gone through an American Job Center. They just found us on Google. Like, it really doesn't matter how the student finds us. There's a couple of things that we know that they're looking for. Number one, not going to go into debt for this. They've just been very clear about that. <laughs> We're not going into debt for this. Um, number two, how do you uh, contribute a credential, an actual accomplishment or attainment, not just MedCert's version of allied health, but what does this credentialing authority think about me as I pass that exam, right? So PTCB for, for pharmacy, NCCT for surgical tech, those are independent third-party credentialing authorities that operate very similar to accrediting bodies, but they're, they're obviously not the same. They're at a, at a lower level. And so what I believe that we've seen with this challenge is how do you get more of those folks into the workforce faster and still have that quality of education, still have that well-rounded you know, person who can have the bedside manner with a patient who might be very scared about their current experience in a, in a healthcare setting. Um, a lot of people don't like needles. So how do you apply that to a phlebotomy tech role? And so I think for us, our opportunity is to not only um, you know provide volume of qualified talent to employers, but also work with in concert with um, uh, academic institutions, colleges, and universities across the country to provide them with the next level of enrollment opportunity into a degree program. Should the students so choose to do that, 
and creating a very clear and transparent pathway that's affordable, easy to navigate, and most importantly is, is when the student is ready to do this, they can also maybe rely on their employer's tuition assistance policy to help offset all of these costs. So we're really looking at this from a holistic approach. And the challenge is, is number one, how to be viewed as not cannibalistic or competing directly. And that's just being very clear up front and having conversations like this one. And number two, building tangible pathways, which we've, we've had a lot of success with over the two years that I've been in MedCerts, really working with and in concert with higher education institutions as opposed to against them. Or, or, you know, in a different space and taking students and not necessarily establishing a, a pathway to their next, the next stage of their educational journey. Um, and ideally, they have gainful employment along this entire pathway. Um, and that employer is vested not only in the initial frontline role, but also how do we help that person continue to grow in their career by getting an associate's bachelor's, you know, master's doctor, whatever they decide to do in their educational journey. Um, but the challenge itself is the balance of speed and quality, I would say it's primary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you already kind of were speaking to the the next part is kind of, you know, taking the optimistic lens, like the opportunities. And I think I'll kind of segue that to, I guess, my next question, because, yeah, like I've seen, you know, some really exciting sort of partnerships are just sort of like uh, welcoming of uh, learners who are pursuing these like non-credit uh, certifications, whether it's yeah something maybe that you all are doing or, you know, Google or Amazon or something else where it's like, if we can leverage ourselves, you know, as a space uh, locally, like a community college to uh, create a little bit of like a supportive framework, because it's like, you know, even just taking that step to sort of work with you all to gain these things, like that's, you know, in the right direction of like, okay, you don't have to kind of go it alone and figure it out. Because I think, that's always something a funny thing in my mind where it's like technically like you could probably do a lot of these things where it's just like I'm just gonna go get some like textbook off of shelf and try to like study to get certified on my own but it's like you know if we can just you know sort of direct resources toward like kind of like scaffold people towards where and this is like kind of I guess sort of a very optimistic or sort of like but I think we are really seeing it happening like sort of this like everything happening kind of in concert and in tandem if it's sort of starting with industry kind of uh, with the demand and we're going to try to sort of funnel the supply of people um, and again it's sort of like everybody sort of benefits everybody wins or even just like that local community has more qualified people providing healthcare to you know uh, their neighbors and everything but like uh you know, so those partnerships can help with closing like, you know, digital equity gaps or like other equity gaps uh, to make sure that like, you know, you have the computer to study, you have the, you know, uh, you have the peer support or you have other mentors and things like that. So those sort of partnerships, I know, are really exciting to me and are like that big opportunity for higher ed where, like you said, it's like that could be a way that we they sort of are building affinity or sort of awareness, these possible prospective students. And certainly that is happening and other areas where, you know, they may be recruiting more towards like people like in the graduate space with like a division of continuing education where it's like, hey, get certified and X, Y, or Z person who maybe is already working in industry or something. So it's not even like it's that sort of like wild of a concept. I think it's almost just starting more kind of from the ground up versus like trying to reach for that sort of, you know, really juicy fruit way at the top where it's like, yeah, you're a person who's making a whole bunch of money and you're just going to, you know, pay to get a new certification or something like every year or something like that. So I guess just my next question is those sort of partnership opportunities, like something that you're doing that's really exciting you or some idea, I guess, maybe that you've had or something like that. Like, you know, what's really sort of, uh, yeah, like really exciting for you in terms of the sort of collaboration opportunities. 
Yeah, the you know going back a little bit, I, I worked for Cengage for a while with the Edgo space, and and we tried to do something very similar in two thousand and, and seventeen. And I just it just there's a condition of timing that's really important. Um, and so you know when I think about these ideas, they, to your point, they're not new. You know, it's it's you know people are like, oh, we should do apprenticeships. Like, well, you know, Fletcher's, Coopers, Millers, Smiths, these last names, these are all jobs that people had in an apprenticeship model. You know hundreds of years ago or, or you know at, at some point it all kind of comes back around and what's old is new so i'm you obviously can't take credit for any of this but just the the execution i think is really important so the thing that i was most excited about was actually working it backwards so the first thing that we did is we actually went to colleges and universities and we said hey can you review this these this content these programs and and if it's an, if it's an ACE recommendation for the certification the person gets, like fine, we'll take that. That's completely fine. But we believe our hypothesis is is that these are of higher quality. And to your point is uh, the way that they're constructed, the technology associated with it is not a PDF download. It's a lot, you know. There and there, you see a lot of this in online online learning. It's not a bunch of you know text on white background, and you have to scroll and scroll and scroll and read. It's immersive, and, and you're seeing a lot of these types of technology surface in higher education. You know, people say, what is augmented reality or, you know, artificial intelligence? Well, you can talk about it and theorize about it all day long, but I'm more interested in the models that are actually functioning, what you can show me. And so that's what we did, is we went to colleges and universities and said, look at these, evaluate them, you know, just like really put them through the ringer and tell us what you would transfer from a prior learning assessment perspective for this graduate to come into one of your programs. And, you know, we were really, really surprised. Some of our college partners, and this is all over our website at the moment, the full transfer matrix is available on the website by college. And that's intentional and by design because we want a learner to go in there and go, okay, so if I go to this university after I graduate with this program, these are the courses that are going to transfer into that degree on a transcript. And it's going to be worth this many credits and this much based upon the cost per credit hour at that institution. So the thing I'm the most excited about is that transparency, right? Like transfer credit in the past has been very complicated. It's like it goes into this, you know, dark vortex of, of I don't know, and you come out and you're like, how does this even happen? And you got residency requirements and all these things. It wasn't simple for learners to be able to explore this. And surely nobody was putting it on their website. So that's the first thing we did. And, you know, some of our partners are seeing up to 18 credits on a transcript. That's, that's game changing for a student, because if you think about full load, that's 12 credits per semester or quarter. This is a semester and a half that you could be ahead simply by taking a certification program, getting certified in a specific technician discipline, leverage our employer partner network. And in many cases, the employers are actually paying the students tuition to go through the training initially. And then when they're ready in a couple of years from now, utilize that employer's tuition assistance policy to go transfer into that college and get an, an AAS or a bachelor's or, a, 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 you know, something in, in the next educational journey. Let's play a game. What keywords does your website rank for? What doesn't it rank for that you think it should? What are a few opportunities you could be winning on if you tweaked some website copy? Okay, how'd you do? Not great. That's okay. Because our friends at DD Agency want to answer all of those questions for you and then some. DD Agency is a higher ed specific marketing technology agency that has conducted countless SEO audits for colleges and universities across the country. 
In these audits, they detail where you currently rank, what you could be ranking for, exactly how copies should be tweaked on website pages, and much more. If this sounds like something you could benefit from, give those folks a ping and be sure to mention that Enrollify sent you to claim a 10% discount on any of their SEO offerings. Head on over to enrollify.org slash D-D-A-S-E-O or simply follow the link in the show notes below that will guarantee you a 10% discount off of your audit. Again, head on over to enrollify.org slash D-D-A-S-E-O to learn more. Now, on to the show. So we actually did it backwards. We didn't say this is what should happen after a bunch of students were in the program. We went and created that pathway on the back end with students to to start with. And what we found is that more students are now interested in taking this pathway directly through us. But then we brought the employers to the table and said, well, would you be open to sponsoring this person's tuition? Because they live in a place where you have an open job for somebody with this certification. And the employers are like, absolutely. Well, great. Now we're really starting to get somewhere that works. And this is our K to job strategy, our K to career strategy, that somebody should be able to experience this type of education. We do it as early as the 11th grade with some of our high school partners. And then by the time they get out, you know, they're making a certain income, assuming that they passed, you know, their exam and are a very, very high demand and super valuable to their current employer. And that current employer has a, an opportunity in their community, multiple opportunities in their community, and the student's education can be paid for or sponsored in that way. Then what's really valuable is the employer gets them to stay sticky, which is something, a term we use with our employers all the time, as opposed to the person just chasing after the next you know, sign-on bonus, which is what you see a lot of in the healthcare space. It's like 5,000 here, 4,000 there, 3,000 here. What's the value of that long-term? Well, the value of that long-term is the investment in the person initially, but then also the continued investment in their education as they go forward. And maybe that's your next manager or VP or CEO, but you're growing those internally and driving your, your internal culture. And for the most part, a lot of these students are coming from underrepresented populations. So just by default, you're also really leaning into a diversification of your workforce, which as we've seen is really, really valuable to the employer long-term. Um, so it really is checking a lot of the boxes, and I hate to use that term, but it really is checking a lot of the boxes for a lot of the initiatives that we're seeing. But if you boil it all down, it had to start with that transfer pathway because number one, that not only speaks to um, the quality of the programs, but it also continues to paint the picture for what happens next, which is really clear, really transparent and right up front. We're not trying to hide anything here. Here's how it works. Um, and what we found is a lot of people want to lean into that strategy. So, you know, there's seven schools that are actually listed on our website at the moment. And there's about two dozen more that we're currently working with to, to do something very similar. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's really awesome that like you, like you said, we're like really thoughtful about like making good on sort of a promise that I think could sometimes be a little empty for other organizations. Like, hey, trust us, like it'll transfer or this or the other thing. It's like one sort of, you know, building that relationship from sort of the the kind of early days, I'm, I'm sure of sort of vetting uh, sort of the content that you're developing, but then uh, building those pathways where like, I was always really excited to see stuff coming up in sort of the, the boot camp space as well. You know, like, um, you know, if you complete one of these coding programs that you could sort of be sort of in a, a preferred admission sort of status or something with different institutions. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's awesome. And I think, uh, like you said, like there's a lot of potential here with models like this, uh, that 
you know, it can help with those sort of like big, hairy, audacious goals that like, you know, organizations have to sort of like have higher attention uh, and more diversity in their seat, like all these sort of things. It's like these are the ways that you kind of have to help doing it. And, and it is like very longitudinal and, you know, can be very complex and dynamic. But like it's like you said, like it's it's trying to address, you know, kind of that social capital piece or different things like that, where uh, for the people that could benefit the most from these sort of gainfully employing jobs and getting set on sort of a career path. It's like, it doesn't just like leave it to sort of happenstance or it's like, Hey, it's on you. We're here, figure it out. Like, it's like, no, we're going to kind of like really make it very uh, much more, uh, you know, just sort of palatable to people to sort of like, like, okay, this makes sense to me. I understand, you know, sort of the, uh, you know, sort of the cause and effect here. So like, well, if you do this, then it can lead to the, you know, like if you complete this program, it's going to give you this many credits. We're going to be pretty, you know, very transparent with that. And, you know, if you do this and, you know, kind of just kind of starting to get those building blocks in place versus, you know, higher ed, you know, with sort of just the way it is, like there's so much sort of obfuscation and sort of, you know, smoke and mirrors at times where it's like, it should just be like, you know, simpler, especially for your first generation students and everything like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's just trying to like distill things down and make, uh, yeah, just everything just more accessible, more, just more clear. So a big thing for me was going to be like the cost. And, you know, I think that's already kind of factored in of like the needs of these, uh, these learners and things, but what advice would you give? And we could sit with this one for a little bit, but like, you know, advice that you would give for leaders, you know, education leaders like working in this space and maybe trying to kind of innovate and address this. Cause I think there is sort of a existential worry and sort of uh, dread happening of like enrollment clips and just, you know, mm-hmm. changes in demands of students and all these sort of things. So, you know, as yep. you're working, I think what it seems like in a very innovative and collaborative way within a very sort of broader higher education uh, ecosystem, like what advice do you have, I guess, of just how to sort of navigate, you know, just this this kind of ambiguous new frontier that we're in right now? Yeah, it, it's an exciting time for sure. You know, it, it, again, as I said, it's all about timing. And, you know, five, six years ago, people were like, what? No, this, what? No, you know, like not at all. And and OK, you know, that, that is what it is. But I think the, the first piece of advice I would give somebody is student centric isn't just a thing that you say. Right. It should be a thing that you do. And, and what that means is where do you put your investments? You know, I, I see a lot of a lot of things. It's like, let's put something on LinkedIn or some social platform. And let's say, here's what we're about. But I bet if you peeled that onion like two more layers, you would find that that's where it ends. <laughs> right. And I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just I, I'm theorizing that that's likely what's happening because we're busy and we got stuff to do. And, and I get it. But really, for me, the advice would be is find a partner that is open to being um evaluated at a very deep level right so like lifting up the hood and letting subject matter experts from colleges and universities examine your your program content it's not something that happens a lot um and so we're we actually encourage it and and the reason for that is because we want to get that feedback how do we make this program better how do we make it more effective for the learner to be able to learn skills that they can then exhibit in the workplace right because it's not just about being certified it's also about exhibiting the skills to your potential or, or current employer who's paying for either your upskilling or your skilling to say, I can do this work. I can do it. And most importantly, the student's not having to wait multiple years for that opportunity, nor are they having to go into debt for it, right? So our price points need to be very, very important. 
MedCert's always operated under the, the, the theory that if there's a, a, a voucher of some kind in the workforce space, whether it's MyCAA or Army Cool or a WIOA voucher or something, the price point of the entire program should be below that, right? That way, it seems not going into debt for this whatsoever. It should be infused with high levels of innovative technology. It shouldn't be modeled on a traditional degree program. It should be provisioned every single day of the week. Um, it should have uh, a, a laptop or software, something that addresses the digital divide, as you mentioned earlier. So we provide loaner laptops to students with the full software packages loaded on so they don't have to pay hundreds of dollars or, you know, God forbid, do this on their cell phone. That's really not a good learning environment. So we want to be cognizant of all those things and actually put pins into the map to say, this is what's going to help that learner as we go through. Um, I think the other thing that I would I would highly encourage an institution to think through is, can you co-opt the current catalog of your training partner and deploy it in a co-branded way, which is another strategy of ours so that we're not cannibalizing, right? So we're not taking from them. Um, that's really important because we work very closely with these institutions to ensure that we're not offering programs that the institution offers already. Right. So we're not taking any student from them that would have gone to that school. Um, they can benefit right away from a partner who can stand up a catalog like this one. Otherwise, it would take them tens of millions of dollars to develop on their own. They can determine if there's a transfer process. So a student comes in to university of fill in the blank because that student is I want to go to that school or they recognize that that school is a training you know, entity or an educational entity and they have a regional loyalty to them. That's how online learning works. And they go in and they take their first certification with that, that school under their brand in partnership with med certs, go into the workforce. And then when they're ready, come back into that degree. So that institution has now benefited that student twice, first in the certification program, and then in the degree at a later point in time, assuming the student wants to do this. And so I think the advice there is just be open to different models, really be thinking about the student journey as a primary thing versus, um, you know, some of the things that I experienced when I worked in the large institutions. I was at the University of Cincinnati and Yeshiva University in New York for a while. And there's a lot of things that happen there that prevent student-centric activity. And it doesn't mean that it's bad. It just simply means that it's not always necessarily thinking about the learner initially. So go with a partner that has all these things in place and then also make sure that you're thinking about quality. So I also think about, you know, how does a med search align itself with some of the, you know, some of the players in the space like the JFFs who's developing the EQOS policy process, you know, the Propel Americas that have been doing this for a long, long time. Like how, how does a training provider think about partnering with groups like that as well, where it really is about the student progress and the opportunity to grow um, those are all very important check boxes <laughs> that I would suggest somebody look through because there's a million of these things in the space right now, over a million of these training programs. So how do you choose? Well, number one, if your partner is not afraid to let you kick the tires on their content in a very deep way, that's a pretty good indicator that they're okay with, with the rest of, of building out of this, this ecosystem. And then also the last thing that I tell schools when I'm speaking with them is, don't take my word for it, right? Like I'm, I'm supposed to tell you all the good stuff. Talk to our current partners. Um, look at what they've done. And that's why we make those matrices available online is because we're not afraid to have somebody look at that in a very deep way and then talk to one of those schools and say, why did you do this? 
And then generally what we find is that that is also the impetus to maybe do something either similar or something slightly, you know, bridge for their own reasons and their own, their own purposes. So, you know, the, the advice is what is, what is new or what is old is now new again. Number one, you know, be willing to work with a partner who's not necessarily the most pedigreed in terms of higher education, but has some really great solutions that can move at the speed of what an employer and what learners are looking for. Um, you know, price points and wraparound services are all really, really important. And, and I'm assuming we're going to get to at some point some sort of evaluation service, which is what I think EQOS is doing um, to help inform decision makers, both at the governmental level and at the higher education space level on, on who are the good players in this space. And, and in addition to outcomes, what are those other characteristics that a training provider can provide? that should really be about the learner and should really be about making sure that they have a clear, transparent pathway on a go forward basis and something that's affordable and doesn't take years and years to complete. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think, cause I think there's still maybe room for growth or I just haven't seen sort of a, you know, way that they've thread this needle uh, necessarily, but like, I remember a online MBA program I worked with had uh, a conditional admit sort of uh, offering where you just took one more additional course. And that just, you know, was for people that didn't have like a formal business background, but wanted to get their MBA to sort of, you know, provide that uh, sort of unique perspective. And it was just making me think a little bit of like what you're saying of almost just sort of like, uh, like opening like an institution opening themselves up if like they kind of wanted to intentionally say like hey like we'd love to have you in this like bachelor's of nursing program if you take this like you will get you right on track or whatever like it's sort of a more formal thing because obviously it could happen the other way but just sort of like making that sort of uh really kind of uh formalize that track that you can kind of just plug into and know like hey if i you know keep right on this i'm going to keep on moving and have some momentum and sort of going versus having to kind of maybe make actions uh at separate times if like somebody knows like at the outset like i know exactly where i want to be in you know that five-year plan or something or whatever yeah um but uh yeah i mean it's it's that idea of like these institutions have really sort of deeply rooted themselves in and built incredible brands that have stood the test of time and you know benefit from sort of being these venerable uh constants through you know perhaps hundreds of years but mm-hmm. i think much as like you know a huge healthcare system or a city or a town, like, you know, these like massive enterprises, you know, having these innovative things that they can sort of plug in to sort of augment themselves, you know, as much as sort of like any college just plugging in like a particular tool even, but like this Mm -hmm. is sort of a more uh, sort of holistic or sort of, uh, I guess, sort of a meaningful kind of partnership that, again, I think can help expedite institutions moving towards sort of the the values they might espouse and their mission statements mm-hmm. and those sort of things like it's sort of giving a little dose of that sort of like innovative culture that they may be sort of aspiring towards versus like well how would we do this ourselves it's like you might not be able to do it because like some people are like oh we could never you know that's not who we are that's not how we do things but uh it can sort of uh be this really great way to sort of broaden the funnel you know at the top or something uh you know, for institutions. So, um, yeah, just a lot of great potential. And I just, like I said, I, I love these sort of, uh, things that are coming up and it's just like, I think there really is room at the table for everybody. So it's like mm-hmm. you choose how you kind of want to, you know, plug things in and start to sort of broaden, be more accessible, be more diverse, really be making like a strong, positive impact, uh, in the communities that you're in. So, 
um, yeah, really, really exciting stuff. But uh, as we wind down, we'll ask our two final yeah. questions that we always love to ask. Uh, certainly, you know, it seems like your website's going to have a lot of great stuff. We'll, we'll you know, direct mm-hmm. folks there. But if there's anything else that you want to make sure to give a tip of the hat to that we can include in the show notes, uh, feel free to share that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the website's probably the best place, mensards.com. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of good information there, you know, specifically under the partnerships, uh, section, we break it down by type. Um, there's downloadable assets, you know, we want to make this as easy as possible for schools to be able to implement, um, you know, even working with like LTI connections, we've started to incorporate our content into degree programs. Um, with some of our partners and just making it simple, you know, for them to work with us is really, really important. Um, I don't mean the work is simple. I mean that the process of getting it done is not a huge heavy lift. So, you know, the website's the best place to go. You know, MedSearch is going to continue to grow its footprint, um, you know, across all of these areas because we truly believe we we are at the intersection of, you know, academic institutions, workforce agencies and entities, employers, um, you know, all, all working towards this thing called workforce development, right? And so how do you define that better is you create real models, not theories, not stuff we talk about like on a stage somewhere, but like real models that work with students flowing through them and as transparent as, and, and as affordable as possible so that the learner is really at the forefront of what we're trying to do. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of our pitch on it and how, we, how we've done it since 2009 and obviously very much you know, honored to be working with these, with these groups and um, looking to, to help solve this healthcare crisis with frontline training talent as quickly as possible, but also with the highest level of quality as possible. So that's our, our general approach to this, but there's nothing that I could say that the website couldn't say better. So I'll just direct people there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's, uh, it's something that I, was, I think it just comes up so much, especially nowadays with these sort of things of like uh, time, cost and quality. And like you said, like, I think mm-hmm. co- cost is very much less of like thinking of students where it's like, Oh, that's going to be like a major sort of barrier and roadblock that that's, uh, a little bit of like a non-factor and i think just looking at like you're, you've kind of detailed uh, extensively and the website will as well of like the uh you know the time the efficiency and then just sort of the the verification of quality you know the sort of votes of confidence that it's gotten because i think that's and then like like you said like this is very longitudinal and complex work and everything but as with anything like this the the implementation like where that rubber finally meets the road like that's got to be smooth because it could be a lot of sort of again sort of uh highfalutin notions of you know like oh we gotta do this and we're gonna do it and yada 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 but then it's just like just that idea of like it can be implemented easily is very refreshing to hear but something that has been swirling around that i, I kind of was talking about a little bit and this will be i guess my sort of uh, final thought here but it's like starting somewhere like if you're thinking of doing something new in this space like this moment kind of demands like just start somewhere like you can kind of start to kind of blaze the trail or do something that could be kind of a proof of concept definitely a lot of opportunities to to do that here so final thought call to action on this topic to wrap everything up the floor is yours Dustin, thanks again for the opportunity and stage here to talk about this really appreciate that i would say you know come and talk to us see see what you think you know we're very transparent check out those those partner pages on our website if you click on the top logo on the partner page 
it takes you directly into that college's admissions ecosystem where they address this. So within two clicks, we're making it easier for learners to figure out exactly what their next step is. And, and we do all of this very intentionally, right? So I would say, you know, for us from a call to action perspective is check it out, give it a shot. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, totally understand. Um, but would certainly, you know, be honored to talk to more and more schools about this because, you know, there's going to be a lot of students that don't go to med centers <laughs> for a lot of reasons. You know, there's like, I'm not going there or I'm only going to go to this community college or I'm only going to go to that university. And that's great. We can help amplify those opportunities for that institution to service their communities, service their states, service their region, service the nation, um, and, and be able to get more people into gainful employment right away, which is our ultimate goal. So appreciate the opportunity to talk about it again. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time. And uh, again, we'll have ways to connect with you and MedCerts in, uh, in the description and show notes for this episode. But uh, yeah, just thank you for uh, your time, all that you shared and the, the work that you and your team are doing. I appreciate it. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.